Hello, and welcome to this week's A Star to Steer Her By. Holy goddamn crap. We are on episode 216. Woo! Which is way too many. Like woo, woo. we should have stopped. Woo. No, actually, no. Well, because uh, this is a this is a fun week. One of these episodes I really like. Let's figure out which one. Uh, uh, I already know the answer. I I don't know if you do. But speaking of, who the fuck are we talking about? Well, we're talking about me, Ames, and it's me, Caitlin, Jake, and Chris. Jake, you're no fun. He's never fun. <laughs> you never get you never get into the theme. I only like my fun, well, which you all hate. So no, That's I. True. Uh, excuse me. What's good for me though is like I'm bad at improv, so the fact that he already broke the chain meant I didn't have to think of anything. Yeah, see, Jake, what you're doing is you're giving Chris an easy out. Woo! Okay. That's true. I don't want to make anything easy for Chris. Ever. Easy out. Ow. Easy out. Ow. Sorry. Speaking of the easy out, let's talk about these episodes this week. We are talking about DS9 Season 6 episodes, Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night, and Inquisition. Starting off with Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night. Because Nana Visitor was pregnant during Trials and Tribulations, we decide to give her a shot to play with the Orb of Time and have fun times in the past. <laughs> it's only fair. Oh so. boy. <laughs> Dukat calls up Kira to wish her a happy it's your dead mother's birthday, which is already a weird thing to do. And then he just has to make sure to tell her, by the way, your mom and I, we used to plow. Like, a lot. Like, Dukat, Dukat carrying on the tradition of Xbox gamers everywhere. No. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Except he really did. He did. And he basically draws Kira a, a picture of... Uh, her mother's vagina from memory to prove it. And Kira's like, yep, that's mom. Yeah, remember that? Remember I remember that, leaving that. Remember that scar she had on her vagina? <laughs> that was me. Sorry, uh, that's a terrible thing. I apologize. Uh, yeah, because nothing makes me want to fuck somebody like them telling me about the time they used to plow my mom. Just sarcasm, by the way. Why did he think that was a good way to talk to her about we'll shit? Ta- we'll talk about monster. Dukat anyway, later. Anyway, let, let Ames do the thing. Do, doing the thing. Okay, so Kira is super weirded out by this. So Natch. Cisco pulls yet another Cisco and says, Hey, even though it breaks the, ti- the temporal prime directive like woe, it breaks it every which way, including loose. I'm gonna let you go play around with the Orb of Time because the the Bajorans apparently just let any fucking one go tool around with it, and that can't be good. Toodles! Damn it, Bajor! You guys are idiots! So Kira goes back in time and meets her mother, Kira Maru. We re-meet her father, Taban, who we watched dying in that flashbacky episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the same guy? Yes, it is. It is the same guy. Nice. Sorry, uh, go on. We meet a little mini Kira... And her little brothers, Rion and Pole, who are living at the Singha refugee camp. And all of it's going well. And by well, I mean they live in a concentration camp. Until Basso Tromac, this asshole Bajoran collaborator, swoops in and he says, I'm taking all the pretty ladies to be comfort women for the Cardassians. Basso does sound a lot like asshole. 
And after I'm done throwing up in my mouth, we get a lot of really uncomfortable scenes with the comfort women, which just make me throw up in my mouth some more. Yep, so uncomfortable. Same. This might be the most uncomfortable episode of Star Trek, period. It's but pretty we'll fucking close. That. You could put it in Code of Honor in a room together and... They're, those are, they're uncomfortable for very different ways. That's yeah. true, so. but both really uncomfortable. So we see Dukat has wooed Maru, as he told Kira that he did, and Kira starts to view her mother as a collaborator, and it gets really unfortunate for her, because she used to think her mother was, like, fucking hot shit. So she pals up with Halb Dayer, a, a guy in the um, Bajoran Resistance, and they decide, let's stick some dynamite up Dukat's ass. And Kira's super on board for this. But when she gets to see her mother, like, having a true sad when she's watching a video from Taban being like, hey, our life is a little better now that you're doing this for us and we really miss you, and, and Maru is, like, fucking weeping, Kira realizes, no, I can't just let her get killed by this, by this dynamite I've stuffed up Dukat's ass. I'll save them both from the explosion, which throws her back into the future, and she tells Cisco, man, I just couldn't do it. And he's like, oh, really, why not? And I scream at the top of my lungs, because it breaks the temporal prime directive, you fucking idiot. Why do we let people do whatever they want with the orb of time? That's a bad idea. It's always a bad idea. God fucking damn it. The end. Yeah, but it's a bad idea. But this is, you know, this is Bajor. That's, Full of that's, bad ideas. That's like, that's on their flag. <laughs> <laughs> Bajor's flag just says HMB. Yep. What's that? Hold my beer. Oh, yeah, basically. God, they're fucking idiots. They should have destroyed the, the orb of time. Um, I mean, yeah. it sounds like you have to get special dispensation from Cisco to go see it. Which is not his job. No. No. I, no. I, I God, God fucking damn it, Star Trek. It drives me crazy that Cisco is the Bajoran emissary to the prophets. But he's also commander of Deep Space Nine, which are entirely conflicting. Like, he should not have let Kira do this. He should not have any any rights to do any of this fucking bullshit. Well, it drives me the, nuts. There's our theme for this week. It sounded Conflict to me of more, interest. <laughs> it sounded to me more like he was... He's not, like, the guy in charge of the Orb of Time. He's just used his emissary powers to pull some strings. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. That's what I thought. That was my impression. It was like, I'm listen, they, they keep it. that thing under guard, but if the emissary were to say I should be able to do it... You know, maybe hint that the prophets told you to let me use it. I can um, see that. Kira I mean, says something. She says, when, when, when Cisco's like, you know, temporal prime directive, right? And Kira says, oh, don't worry. The prophets won't let anything weird happen. Which I guess they don't because it, like, it, I think there's a different way of how this was used then in Trials and Tribulations in which Kira had the orb of time while they were in the past. So she was able to conjure it to bring her back to the future. Well, yeah, in but the, in this in one, that it just one, happened. Yeah, in that one, it does. Yeah, it's not very consistent because, yeah, in Trials and Tribulations, the Orb of Time turned the Defiant into a time machine. It was a flux capacitor in in the Defiant. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this time, it it's like it feels almost more like a vision, even though I'm guessing she was actually back in time and those events did happen now. So Dukat and Rue just saw her vanish after she saved them from the explosion. Yeah, it's like, huh, she must have been vaporized by the explosion. I don't know. 
So, I mean, I had a similar kind of like I made I kept making cracks about Back to the Future in this one. And uh, really what it comes down to is it's it's just like when uh, one day George's son, Marty, grew up to look just like that guy, Marty, he met. Like (laughs) all of a sudden, Kira shows up one day and he's like, hold fucking on. Um, Because believe me, you'd think he met so many. But if it's a woman, he remembers her face. Or at least everything below her face. Um, Maybe that's why he's got such a bonk on for Kira in present days because there we go. Oh, there he it rem- is. He reminds her of the friend she of her ex-girlfriend. Yep. Uh, that makes sense. That he like was seriously trying to set up a threesome with, but uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. The as soon as as soon as they were like escorted to their new quarters and they got there, I was like, you know they're gonna put them in the same room and you know Goldacott is gonna finally be like, I get to realize that mother daughter fetish I never realized I had. But he doesn't know oh, it's her. Yeah. Yeah. I know he doesn't, but still. See, the way this would make way more sense, but it technically doesn't jive with again how we first saw the orb of time. Because if we stop doing these bad time travel stories, mm. Well, aside from that. But, like, you have to imagine that if it wasn't a vision, it was at least a new timeline was created. And, like, had Kira succeeded, she would have still come back to her timeline instead of the new one. Because, yeah, the prophets did seem to be about to allow time to get really... How is there an orb of time for people that don't interpret time linearly anyway? Uh, oh, God. Well, I don't know. Don't, I think, yeah. Don't think about it. Who knows? But here's the thing. I, I actually misremembered the setup to this episode. I think in my brain, I had, like, combined my memory of this episode and my memory of the Odo not time travel episode, the the, the coma. Children of time? The co- oh, the coma dream episode. Oh, the coma yeah. dream episode. Um, Things past, and, I think. Yeah, and I, I mixed those up. So I thought that that was the setup to this episode, that like something happened and either the prophets sent her back just to witness this and that she played her mother in her own memory, mm. like a, like oh, a quantum leap oh, situation. Weirder. Oh, that would definitely be weirder. <laughs> but it was just a vision in yeah. Like and I this, didn't remember that this was actual an actual time travel episode. Yeah, they just let they just say let Kira do a time travel because she wants to see if Ducat banged her mom. I think like we've Weird. already established that like there can be vision type stuff. Yeah, you know that like like let's just do that. Like that would have made more sense because mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have the risk. A, you wouldn't have to retcon the orb of time, and B, you wouldn't have to have this whole you know, risk of destroying the timeline, which wasn't really even a factor in the episode, which I think was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, like like Kira could be battling, could have like, like it really, it's not about like, hmm, should I, if I kill Dukat in the past, it'll change the future, but possibly for the better. And also Um, kill me and my mom. Was she going to get blown up herself? She probably, she probably would have if she, because it went off like, before she, well actually that's not a good point though because the guy she was said on her way out i think when it started though yeah and the guy said that the thing would blow up 20 meters but what he didn't mention is that the wall stops it like, the, <laughs> like being out in the hallway two meters from the bomb is fine the wall was sturdier than he thought you should just a be wearing sturdier. walls i mean <clears throat> i can imagine ducat when they were building the station was like yeah put a few extra layers of you know 
deuterium or whatever the hell is on in my the quarters. Walls. In my quarters. Yeah. A deuterium's hydrogen. I don't know what the fucking thing is made out of. Super Cardassium. Cardassian <laughs> steel. Mm. Because, you know, everything ha- everything in space is just the name of the planet that it's from, plus mm-hmm. the name that it has on Earth. Yeah. Oh, Cardassian yeah. steel, Bajoran lilacs. <laughs> yep, I threw a fit over that, too. Like, really? <laughs> they, we don't even call similar flowers to lilacs lilacs on Earth. We, we have many, many flower names. Klingon tungsten. And of course, and remember, these were lilacs, as yes. someone mispronounced at one point. Oh, no. I was like, I'm sorry, what was that? A what? I think it was, um... Was it Dukat? It was Dukat. It was yeah. Ducat. A lilac. 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 I was like, what is wrong with you? Jesus. It's, like, it is a shame they did it this way, because I feel like it's been a while since we had, like, a standalone Kira deals with the reality of the past versus her, like really very black and white morality, which it always makes for good drama. Oh, yeah. It's and there's still character. some drama here, but because it's wrapped in this bizarre time frame, like, it would have been better if she just had to go, like, find people in the present and talk to them. And yeah, find a, a comfort woman who survived, maybe, and talk with her. That'd be interesting, yeah. actually. Maybe find Bosso or whatever and shove a knife up his dick. Ooh. God. I that guy. I'm guessing that guy. The second the occupation was over, he was like, "Hey, Cardassians, do, do I get to go with you?" And they're like, "Fuck you, no!" And no, then instantly he was set upon by crowds of Bajorans who tore him limb from limb. You know, I, I like to think he was very slowly tortured to death. He did a great job of being just immediately reprehensible. I don't know. Being torn limb from limb sounds like it would hurt a lot. I mean, it'd be pretty yeah, fast, but it, but it would it hurt. Does, it's fast. I want it to be slow. So funny story about that guy, though, who I'm sitting there, I'm like, have we seen him before on Star Trek? And no, no, we haven't. I recognized him because he's Weird Al's roommate in UHF. Oh, funny. Nice. Did he We're... deserve a knife to be stuck up his dick hole in that film? No, no, he was very nice and desperately trying to keep the station afloat. Well, it's really sad that uh, he's he's turned he's turned like this on us. And... <laughs> yeah, um, I like to, I, you know, I, I actually can sort of imagine that that guy may like if if Ducat liked him enough, maybe he's living on Cardassia at this point. Now, when you say liked him enough, do you mean maybe when he needed to mix stuff up would fuck him too, or? <clears throat> oh no, probably. I I'd be into that. He feels like the kind of bastard who probably, even if he didn't get to Cardassia, probably weaseled his way out of Bajor and is now just living in some backwater miserable. Yeah, he's the, um, who is the, the dickhole on the Titanic that, uh... Billy Zane? Ismay? Ismay. Ismay was the one that, that the, sh- the, the white star guy that snuck him, you know, went onto a boat. No, I've Billy, never seen Billy Zane did it too, but uh, I mean he's a real guy, Chris. <laughs> IRL Ismay was a guy. Oh, oh, I thought maybe he was one of the fictional passengers. No, no, Bill, Billy Ismay was like the the White Star Line dude who told the captain, "No, go full steam ahead. You know, don't worry about the ice warnings. Just, just go. We, you know, we're gonna break records on this ship." Oh, they were right. They certainly broke. Some kind of record. Wow, yeah. I've never heard of that guy. Yeah, there's a fascinating play about him, but we're not going to, let's not talk to, about fucking yeah, no, Let's, that's, let's that's, talk yeah. about that later, that's though, because I into. think Chris could probably play him. Ooh, I haven't read I'll the play send, yet, but I feel like later, Chris. Chris would do great work. <laughs> it's a good script. Anyway, no, another thing, so even if we're saying 
the prophets will protect us in the past or protect the past from getting fucked up, which I don't believe for a fucking sec- yeah, second. Yeah, no, they the don't, care. don't care. They don't understand linear time. Of course not. The other stupid thing is, so Cisco says, are you going to fuck with time? And Kira says, I promise I won't fuck with time, which you can't believe her. <laughs> I was going to say, and he believes second. her, the sap. <laughs> in, it was um the darkness and the light, I think. Another weird dark episode with Kira's weird past. In which, is that the one know, with the Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, that one, that one, where she goes and kills that Cardassian who's killing all her friends. She basically said, oh yeah, d- uh, give me the info on all the people we think it might be. I promise I won't kill them. And then she goes and fucking kills people. And you're like, that's Kira for you. You can't let her do this shit. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, it, it, it's fine. But it's like I said, like, she has a very black and white view of morality. Like I was saying about O'Brien last week or two weeks ago, like... These are two characters who have very specific viewpoints. Do not ask them to work in gray areas. Yeah, this is very true. And also, though, I do think that so from the the prophets will save me from fucking this up from the prophets perspective, then, because they're they're timeless from the prophets perspective. These events have already happened. You know, it's always been Kira. It's always been Kira. There is no alternative version. This is how so, it was meant to be. Yeah. So no matter what, you know, this, I, I don't know that she could have fucked it up. Yeah. Um, it's like if we go back and watch the, the original Tribble episode, Dredzia will be in the background. That's right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and uh, Bashir and, and Curly do get a, a dressing Curly. down by Kirk. Have I said I love we're calling him Curly now? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Hey. Something about this episode, though, yeah. is um, how fucking old is Ducat? Because he looks exactly the same His like said, 40 I years said, in the past. I said that same shit. I was like, damn, he ages well. He hasn't aged what a day in well, 40 here's, years. Here's what I've decided, because he's a reptile, and Chris, Chris was saying, like, well, then maybe they don't age like we do. And so I've decided that what actually is going to happen is someday he's going to molt... <laughs> And there's going to be a whole other actor under there. <laughs> like, he's going to be French Stewart or something. <laughs> no, I know. That's what a terrible example. That's a terrible choice, but it was the first name that come to mind. No, and he definitely would never be mistaken for Mark Alamo. Though no, they are both he's gonna hideous get, without the makeup in their own ways. He's going to molt, but he's going to be Bajoran underneath. Because as I established, yes. Bajorans and Cardassians are the same species. Oh, yeah. That would be God. interesting. Um, I mean, Or maybe that's what happens when you've got Bajoran fever. <laughs> You molt and oh, you become Bajoran. God, oh, but, no. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, between the fact that they are a reptilian species and we don't know what their lifespan is right, like. Right, right, because we met Tane and he's Garrick's dad and doesn't look that much older than Garrick. Yeah, so it's like the impression you're made. Like, when you do see one that looks, actually kind of, like, looks old, it's like, no, no, you don't get it. They are old. They're not. They don't usually live this long. Usually a Bajoran kills them. Yeah. Or the well, either a Bajoran or the Obsidian Order, yeah. one or the other. Speaking of the Obsidian Order, I wanted to mention what the original plan for this episode was before they kind of honed it down to being about Kira's mom. And that's it. Somebody had the idea of, of we want to do a story inspired by Joseph Mengels, that Nazi scientist, oh, in God. which we're seeing ghosts of Bajoran children all over Deep Space Nine. And we're like, oh, fuck, this is weird. This is probably some of that weird Bajoran bullshit, like when they yell at Cloud. God damn it, Bajor. 
until we learn that this is actually that this Cardassian in the, from the past is sending these children to the future to gather info for the Obsidian Order, which I actually think is kind of fascinating. So here's the thing. Nazi scientist. Okay, interesting. Like that's, I mean, honestly, I've read lots. I've read books about the Nazi scientist. That shit's fascinating, but really dark. Oh, yeah. But then this really weird, like, you kind of had me there. I was kind of like, that's horrible in a way I could get behind. But then to have it be like, also, there's really stupid time travel involved for a bad reason. (laughs) You prefer they just be ghosts? Yeah, I kind of would. Weird. Well, because it don't, they don't. Well, here's Sci-fi the thing: ghosts. we've already seen they wouldn't be ghosts. They would like somehow be like some kind of echo in a like a phased blah 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 blah. Well, haven't we already done that? Haven't we already had people like phased out of like no sure the the like the the real continuum or whatever? I mean, shit. You go back to uh, the we've Tholian always, web. I was gonna say we've always had Paris. Mm. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, like, I feel like we could, uh, you could easily explain it with some Star Trek bullshit mm. and be like, oh, yeah, it's a uh, phase of, it's, you know what it is? It's, uh, it's actually, it's, uh, it's transporter signatures mm. that, um, <laughs> have been, like, shot by dilithium crystals. I don't really know. Uh, something like well, that. You know, here we go. Here's the, yeah, here's yeah, yeah. how it is. Good. Jake's got it. The, Thank God. The, the, He's good at this. The scientist, the, the, the mad Cardassian scientist is actually working on a a new transporter technology that will let them beam people light years and so as opposed to you know you having to be really close. Yep, um that's it. But what he doesn't realize is that by beaming people that far, it's actually fucking with space time. And he's actually not instead of beaming them to a great distance away, they're he's beaming them to a great distance in the future. So the children just start materializing as if they've been beamed all over Deep Space Nine. That's it. That's it exactly. See, he's got it. That's way better. That's cool. That's way better. Yeah. I love and that it's episode. no less horrifying because the travel could like just really fuck them up and they could all die really quick and something terrible could happen to the or children just, and they have to save know, the they're, children. They're separated from their parents and they're somewhere where they shouldn't be. Well then they meet but then they find out that their parents, some of them anyway, have parents that are alive but who haven't seen them in forty years. Yeah. And the yeah. last time they saw right them, this they episode, were kids. I like it. Well, we're, didn't we already have something like that? What's his ass was like, I haven't seen my family. The one that thought he was the uh, um, emissary or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was, was a little different. He's, everyone he knew and loved was dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. It had good, been like centuries. Good good. good, good. Fine. Yeah, I wonder what uh, Jara Basso shithole is a member of. What, the Jara? Oh, boy. The, mm. the, little, the little bitch Jara? <laughs> I'm a little bitch, just with my parents before me. Mm. Yay. But yeah, it does seem like to want to do a story about as an allegory for Nazi, like, science bullshit, but then turn it into baby time cops. Feels like it's kind (laughs) of disrespecting the source material, for lack of a better term. It got weird tonally. Yeah. It's a weird kick in the face. Yeah, it's like, it's like really minimizing the absolute terror show that those bastards were well it's also still terror terrifying you know in this episode i do feel like the i wish i wish we had heard anything else about kira's mom before this episode so Mm. like because i feel like she was introduced as a concept in this episode like no one ever thought about 
well, we know that Kira had a dad, but we never really thought about her mom too much. We have heard that she did have those two brothers. Yeah, we've heard about the brothers before. Oh, have we? Yeah, they were. Okay, that's really funny. They were mentioned before. But we oh, never okay. seen. We haven't seen them. We don't know if they're. I didn't or realize dead. they were younger than her because that means like her mom just popped out a kid a year, and Jesus mm. Christ. Hey, and not much to do in the concentration camps. Evidently, Yikes. it's not even like it's like work. It's like it's concentration camp, but it's also like it's a labor camp too. It's yeah, they're just left to their own devices and. Because, you know, there's like ro- roving bands of assholes that are going to knife you for a scrap of bread. Yeah. It's real it's nasty stuff. It reminds me Not of... Not even um, scrap of bread. Half a cup of soup, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah, no, it reminds me of... Um, you ever see the movie Empire of the Sun with young yeah. Christian Bale? No, but it's... I've heard of it. It's a good movie, but it's about how... When the Japanese invaded, I want to say Shanghai. I should rewatch the movie to remember. But when the basically when the yeah, Japanese invaded place in China, there were a shitload of Brits living there because Britain, you know, Britain, and, you know, like really like upscale, up. you know, high society. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. They're they're not the oi governor. They are the governors. <laughs> yeah. And one of them oh. is Christian Bale's family, and he's a child. And uh, they evacuate the parents, but he gets left behind. And he and it's basically his story of going from, like, you know, like, labor camp to refugee How places. young was he? He was, like, young, young, right? He's, like, 12, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, little, little BB Bale. But anyway, you know, some of the places he goes are, like are kind of like the camp where there's just rough people and not a great time. Well, of course, there's still like, yes, it's this, you mentioned it, like there's a lot of, pre- I don't know the word I want, but in a similar vein, you know, there's there's the um, whole occupying forces in Asia and comfort women during World War II. Yeah. Which well, and, uh, everyone pretty much denies they did, even though we all did it. Vietnam yeah. and stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was like a thing, huge like, thing in like Korea too, like the Japanese. That's what I was thinking of. I yeah. was thinking of like Mash, which obviously is a documentary about the oh, war. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, when Japan invaded parts of China during World War Two, when we occupied Japan in World War Two, Japan and Korea, and again, like everyone claims they didn't do it, and, and that's I guess that's another sort of downside of this episode because it's so sort of about this weird fantasy element, it it avoids having to really get into that aspect, like, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of glosses over the fact that, wait, this is, like, sex slavery right here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Like, it is... It's icky. Like, it's shown to us that it's icky because she has to pour canard for that creepy dude, but, like, it never really confronts the fact that yeah, no, her her mom, Kira's mom was just like straight up made a sex slave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then when when Kira starts kind of blaming her mother for it, it's 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 a fascinating character choice because you can see a lot of this is personal to Kira because it's Ducat specifically. Yeah. If it weren't Ducat, it might be something different, but I think Kira's at the point where it's like Cardassians I I've learned that some of them are okay-ish. 
Dukat specifically is just a no-no all around. Yeah, no, he's irredeemable. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't think that this episode is harsh enough on him. I think this episode no. really gives him a fucking pass in the oh, worst way. Oh, I disagree. Way. I, I, think, I think Dukat in this episode is very, very fascinating. Because he takes a sex slave. Like, that's what he does. Yep. But the way that he is framed is, is so consistent with his character because he's not evil for the sake of evil. He's evil, but he's also, like, got his own backstory. He's got his own way of doing things. He's got all that charisma that we've been talking about for years and years since we met him, that he's just a fascinating character, but he's still the same fucking guy. Like, yeah. he, gets, he gets Maru not by cramming his tongue down her throat, but by wooing her because he wants the Bajorans to fucking love him. Yeah. And there's that moment with the legate where it's like, he's he got a script. He does it every time. And that time. just makes it worse. And I wish, again, like, they'd spent a little more time with that. And Like, I wanted it to be more about the women who were in this awful situation than what it kind of was about. What was it about? Kira being upset about her mother's past. Yeah. Without actually, like, and again, because, like, you can't, I mean, you know, it's like, is a comfort woman a collaborator? Like, not really. She's a sex slave. And it's like, what happens if you say no to them? You don't know. They might fucking kill you. Or maybe they keep you alive, but murder your family that you know you have back on Bajor. It's like. Yeah, she's doing this because she knows if I do this, my family gets more rations and medicine, which we need because there's tiny babies who've now been separated from me. Yeah, like, it's easy for Kira to be belligerent because she's got no one and nothing that they can hold over her because she is, she literally shouldn't be there. She's a ghost. And, you know, it's like, can you blame her? Uh, Maru, I mean. And it's like, because again, she knows she's got family back there. Yeah, I think it's what I think it's that Kira has been told all of her life that her mother is the bravest person her father's ever known. So I think she always assumed like, okay, if my father, if my mother were in this position, she would resist. She would plot against Budukat in some way, which is what near what Kira Norris would do. Yeah, but yeah. but her mother has been. Like, you, we see it in the first moment where she sees all the delicious-looking Oh, snacks. my God, she fucking loses it. And I, I, when we were watching that, I said to Chris, I was like, that's absolutely what you would do if you were so fucking hungry that, like, I mean, literally, like, you have a half a cup of soup to split amongst, like, your three children. Mm-hmm. If you were that hungry, you would forget everything in that moment. Yeah, I fucking she... loved Maru's line when Kira says, don't eat so much, you'll get sick. Maru says, sick from being full, that'll be a new one. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, sick from too much food or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's like... And even then, she does start to feel a bit guilty about it. It's like... Oh, like, almost immediately. Mm. Yeah. But it's that hierarchy of need shit. Like, if you're not getting the things that you need just to survive, of course you're gonna, like, lose, like... Um, yeah, I, like, I don't know, I like, like, sight I- of the more important, higher, like, bigger picture shit. Like, I haven't eaten a full meal for my entire life. You know, I think <laughs> that's the useful part about Basso. Like, Basso is unquestionably a collaborator. 
Mm-hmm. He likes the modicum of power he has. You know, he's this sniveling shit little middle manager. We've all met people like them in real life. Like, he is just irredeemable, as far as you can tell from what little you see of him. So to have him to contrast against these women who are in just an unnavigable situation. Yeah, and thrown there by just picking them out of a group and saying, you, 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 and you, you're all kind of pretty, come with me. Yep. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think Maru starts that way and is and is sympathetic but then she falls in love with gold ducat which i I would you know i can i can understand like she's you know there's a no not really a good choice there for her i mean you know she she could do the traditional deep space nine thing and hang herself from the promenade um yikes but uh, seen a lot other of than, that. Other than yep. that, there's not much recourse for her. But she doesn't seem like I get what why Kira came to the conclusion that she was a collaborator because she really seems to take to her situation. Yeah, but but then that's we, almost Stockholm syndrome. Poten- yeah, well, potentially. But sure. it's and I think we also see the explanation though in the the video from the husband, which is like. You know, try to find something good about this shitty situation. Yeah, you get like, lots we're of tasty snacks. We're all doing great. You should try to find joy where you can. Because we see that she obviously misses her family and, like, loves them and cares for them. But, but she also loves that Ducat cock, so. Well, I mean, it's probably at least as long as his neck, so. And maybe, ribbed. Maybe it's got, it's all got the same neck oh, ridges. Oh, it's absolutely I mean, I ribbed. To say that. 100%. Uh, You'll be Here's a question. So how long has Kira been in the past? Like weeks. Like weeks, right? Because she says yeah. it's been a few, like there's a time jump between when she first leaves the mixer <laughs> and when we next see uh, next see her. Yeah, when she's yeah, hanging out with the a few resistance. weeks. I think her bomber friend says three weeks, maybe. But then there's even more time that passes that isn't labeled. So I don't think he says a specific amount of time. I think yeah. he says, like, you've been looking for her for a few weeks. Oh, okay. And then they said something about her going on vacation with Ducat. Yeah, at the very least, it's been a while that Kira's just living here now. Yeah. Does she know when she's going to go back via the, the orb of time? Like, the the you can't think about it too much or your brain starts to melt, but Jesus yeah. Christ. Time travel. Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch. It's I, a mother. Um, I wish they did not establish at the end of the episode that she died that maru um, died that maru died because mm. i would have really liked to maintain my headcanon that um you know she stayed with ducat and out and eventually you know she changed her name to oh, no. tora naprem nope <laughs> and uh i was actually kind of <laughs> waiting for that myself to be honest with you uh, see actually i read that there was a novel called the night of the wolves that lays out what happens afterwards. And here's here's just a very quick synopsis of what I've read, and I'm spoiling Night of the Wolves for everybody. Fuck it. What is that? Uh, Basso, our friend, our asshole friend here, he lays a scheme because he's just a, the, the fucking worst, in which, let's see, where's my notes? He tells Ducat that, that I guess someone told Ducat's actual wife about her and Maru, and it's kind of insinuated that maybe it's also about her and Naprem, or, or him and Naprem. A lot of weird shit goes on in which kind of Naprem and Naru are kind of pitted against each other. 
Oh, so they, so they um, do know each other. Un- until Ducat's like, there's too many of this going, too many going on. Get, just get rid of Maru for me, I'll, and I'll just have Deprem on the side, and maybe my wife will quiet down now. So somebody gets Maru infected with a disease that kills her. Oh. Ugh. And by somebody, you mean Ducat with his dirty dick, probably? No, yeah, pro- probably Basso. Oh, see, I would I would not have assumed that Naprem and Maru overlapped each other as mistress. Yeah, that, no, because like, the timeline doesn't require it. Well, right, because, again, you got to figure, this is like 40 years at least in the past. Is it? Well, it can well, be 40. Kira's already alive. Well, how? Right, and she's how, only like 30-something, right? Oh, is Do she? I assume that? that she was a little older. I assume that she I was... I don't know. I thought she was... I just kind of always assumed she was. A, was like, I actually have no idea how old Nana is at this point, but I also have no idea how quickly Bajoran's age. Yeah, true. Well, okay, That's so let's say let's say between. Granted. I mean, she's definitely older than Julian. He's Julian, thirty. And oh, Julian's like thirty-three or thirty-four at this point. Right, right. Um, His life is totally over. By the way, just want to yeah, make so sure she's... that we make sure that we mention that he's a dried-up old bag. <laughs> so Nana's about. 40 here. Oh, she is? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. She looks incredible. Yeah. Sorry. I just, she ages like a Cardassian, okay? I know she still looks incredible. But so, yeah, so if we say she's like 40, so let's say, let's be conservative and say this was like, and she was like, what, three in the, in the in, when we yeah, see her in yeah, the past? Three. So let's say it's 37 years uh, in the past. Then, and Maru is... You know, she's probably in her 20s, I'd, I'd guess. And she only lasted seven more years. So, Ducat would have had to have been with Naprem for a really long time, like 20 plus years. If I there would was, buy if, that, though. If there was no overlap. Oh, if there was, oh, wait, if there if was there no If there is overlap, overlap, then it's even longer. Ugh. And that's a long time to have a have a side piece. I mean, that's the thing, like, he... Okay, so... Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Um, No, the thing is, like, I think he prides himself on how well he treats his sex slaves. Which is Yeah, but would he really... I also feel like he's the type of guy that, yes, but I also feel like he's the type of guy that would trade in for a new model every so many years. I have no idea. So, if Memory Alpha is accurate... Kira is born in 2343, and Deep Space Nine ends in 2375. So she's only supposed to be in her 30s. Okay, well, that makes sense. So that means this can't be more than, like... I don't know when the hell so Wait, so she's sense. younger than Julian, then? Okay, this is, this is, we're getting way too nitty Because that would this. be, so 2343 to 10, 2375 is 32 years. Yep. And that's one year in the future from now, so she's 31 canonically then. But Julian is like 34 canonically? God damn it. Yeah, according to this, he was born 2341. Oh, that's surprising. But again, this depends I upon. Not, I, don't know. I did not think that she was supposed to be younger than Julian. Yeah, I don't know where Memory Alpha gets their numbers. Yeah. So because I thought the whole point was that Julian was like the kid, and like mm-hmm. like Julian and Jadzia were the youngest, 
But of course, Jadzia has the benefit of the, the also symbiont. being the, also being the oldest. Right. Well, he's you know he's the kid the among super oldest the, star, the, star the Starfleet, Starfleet people, folks. And the thing is, even if she's literally younger, she's seen a lot more. That's true. <laughs> oh, well, right. That's true. She was she was letting her dad die alone so she could go kill some Cardies when she was like that's sixteen. True. That's that's what I said when watching the episode. She said, "Oh, my father always said that lilacs were her favorite." It's like, yes, he said that, and please don't let me die alone, Kira. Oh no. Anyway, I had I have one more note, and then I really think we should move on. And speaking of our good friend Bashir, so he and O'Brien are going to play Alamo, apparently. Oh, yes. They want, O'Brien really wants to go play the Battle of the Alamo. And Bashir's like, why would you want to play a game in which your side loses? And O'Brien says, have you met me? That's my fucking life. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, oh, Jesus. They're very silly. Anything else on all these wrong, dark death nights? I guess I'm thinking I'm still hung up on this timeline. Oh, my God. Not the timeline. So Zial is how old when they get her out of the camp? She's like 16, 16 or 17? 17, something like that. OK, I guess that timeline could work. I, guess I mean, yeah, he work. basically would have to pick up her mother the split second. Maru dies. Yeah, but again, but it makes sense though. If it's if oh, yeah. that's if he has like a routine yeah. that's such a known thing that people can quote him before he says the thing, then I could imagine that, you know, he went to the funeral, he laid some Bajoran lilacs 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 at the gravesite, and then was like, All right, let's throw another mixer and get some uh, and I'll pull my routine. Mm. And then he said, I still got the moves. Hey. Uh, I have no segue. Let's talk about the, let's talk about Inquisition. I was going to say, speaking of uh, what I show. O'Brien's, okay. Speaking of O'Brien's holodeck proclivities. Close enough. It plays into this. Okay, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Inquisition. Here we go. (laughs) Joke. Bashir is making the known mistake of going to a conference, so you already know he's doomed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Before he's set to depart for this conference, Starfleet CIA collects everyone together to say, there's a mole among you and we have to figure out who it is. Which is entirely feasible, because changelings are everywhere and we keep mm-hmm. fucking forgetting that. And Jadzia, yeah. when she's like, you must be mistaken, none of us could possibly be. I wanted to backhand her in the face. So, Luther Sloan, our new friend from Starfleet Internal Affairs, uh, he's questioning everybody, and Miles hacks into Julian's computer to say, Hi, and I miss you. And <laughs> by the way, I just got tortured for like two hours with questions about you, but I'm used to all that, being Miles and all. But you know, you should keep a heads up about this. So Sloan starts grilling the fuck out of Julian about how he must have been programmed when he was in that Dominion concentration camp but of course, Julian wouldn't remember it, so there's no way to prove it either way. Donna, And even Cisco starts questioning Bashir's intention, and Bashir's like, oh, I don't like any of this, damn it. <clears throat> so just as Sloan is about to take Bashir off the station to go with him and do whatever the fuck they're going to do next, fucking Wayun pops in, uses his Dominion powers of transportation to bring Bashir out of his office to his little place to say... Hey, Bashir, 
Good job denying all those allegations. Pity they're all actually true. And Bashir goes out of his tiny, tiny little mind thinking about this until Kira and Worf beam in and nab him again. It's just an episode of Bashir getting kidnapped over and over and over again. <clears throat> and they bring him to the Defiant. And everyone on the Defiant is like, ah, good, now we've got Julian back, so we can torture him for a while because he's obviously a spy, like he's always wanted. Until Bashir notices that O'Brien's shoulder isn't dislocated for a fucking change. What? Oh, this must be a ruse! So Sloane comes out doing his slow clap. Well done, Doctor. Look at my sexy new jacket. It yeah, means... Fucking Doctor Evil jacket. Oh, mm -hmm. I liked it. And the evil jacket... Dr. Evil's fucking rabbi. It means that I'm some kind of super, super spy, and we want you to be a super spy too. And for some reason, Julian says no, but ask me again in a couple seasons, and maybe I'll change my mind. Wink. <clears throat> the end. Yep, it's the Section 31 episode. Yeah, and like, I love this episode. Me too. But at the same this is time, the one I, I like. I kind of hate what it did. Oh what no! It started. I don't know what it. See, well, I don't just know what like, it does it, like, yet. So no, no, just that like, especially in Discovery, Section Thirty One is a thing. Yeah. And like, I really like I like the concept of Section Thirty One in this episode, where it's like something that nobody knows exists. It's like really, really secret to the point that. Even Star Starfleet even denies its existence to its own captains. It doesn't um, deny its existence. They didn't deny it, but they didn't also oh, yeah, confirm right. it they, either. They, didn't, they neither confirm nor deny its existence. Yeah. So that. But then it's in. By the time we get to Discovery, Section Thirty One is just like common knowledge. The, the special forces of Starfleet, or like the the covert ops of Starfleet. It's kind it's, of an open secret. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, yeah. how did we I mean, get from A to without, B? Without getting into spoilers for season two of Discovery, I think they sort of justify why they decide to start playing things more subtly after that. Maybe. Um, but did they like erase the like like oh shit, we gotta cancel section thirty one? I mean, the thing is, like, cause I was thinking about this too, but I was like, when you really think about it, all you need to do to get people to forget about something is not talk about it. Hmm. Like a story that I have told many times, I don't think I've told it on this podcast. Absolutely fucking horrified me. I was in college. So this was longer ago than I'd care to admit. And I was walking past a dorm and this is, so this is like what? 2000. You graduated in 07. Yeah. So this is sometime between 2003 and 2007. I don't remember. Exactly Way to narrow when. it down. <laughs> it's somewhere in that four year period though. And so we're talking, you know, 15-ish years ago. And I'm walking past a dorm, and there's this girl on her cell phone. And hand to God, she goes, So, today in my history class, we learned about these things called the, the Jim Crow laws? That's, we had those, that was horrible. This woman got to university mm. without hearing about something that happened 40 years before her time. Did you say she never heard about it? I didn't mean to if I did. Like, on the one hand, it seems like, you know, how could that possibly, like, that quickly could people forget easily? Well, it probably... Just, just don't put it in any official history books. Yeah, I was going to say, it probably just depends on 
where she was educated, where she got her secondary education, right? Well, yeah, like, I mean, but what I mean, like that as an example, though, like if you just have all of Starfleet go, so we're going to stop talking about these guys. True. I could see that. And it's I, now at this point been a hundred years since true. the end of Discovery. Like I could see them going from open secret to open secret fewer people know about. Maybe. But I also do think that, like, I still, I will still say, though, that at least in terms of, like, I don't know. I feel like the writers of Star Trek, once they got wind that, oh, there's a secret, a secret covert operations division we can write stories about. They yeah. got, they got big old hard ons mm-hmm. and then just tried to jam them in wherever they could. Yeah, I know they got a whole novel series at some point. Like, every time you turned around, someone was being retconned to have been Section 31. Yeah, and, like, I was I was honestly shocked that Section 31 wasn't involved in the Picard plot. Boilers. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah, that's what next season will be revealing. Um, oh, no. But anywho. Like but yeah, I do, I do really like this episode. I really like Sloan. Mm. And I like, love how many how many twists there are. I like. I really enjoyed seeing all the twists. I was like yelling at the TV the whole time. Literally, yeah? I was so pissed off. Did you did well, you buy the Wayun? Did you were you like no no way. no no no? I was like I was like from the beginning. He's not. I was like so either he's Dominion himself or he's like working with them or these are. I, either way, like, I didn't know what he was, but I knew he wasn't what he said he was. Mm-hmm. And no, I didn't buy the Wayune thing. And I definitely didn't buy everybody on the bridge crew being like, we all know you're a fucking liar. I was like, that's definitely not real. Obviously. I don't know. He has lied to them in the past. No, but I still. Yeah. I mean, this, really this would be the, the third Bashir is a Dominion spy fake out we've had on the show. So I, I think... Maybe he's been arranging them all because he is a, a Dominion spy. Maybe. That'd be great. Wait, what was the other one? I, I, obviously, there was when he was a changeling. What was the other one? There was the one where, uh, from uh, the episode where there was the changeling loose on the Defiant. Oh, and it was Julian for a few minutes. And That's it was right. Julian for I a forgot. Little bit. I forgot about that. Yeah. But poor Julian. Yeah, seriously. But man. And I, he's so old. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta hand it to uh, to Sloan though for like just the mind games he plays during. He's this. very good at it. So when like, send some door um, warps lunch. Yeah, sending him gah. I loved that. But also like doing things like knocking over Kukalaka or and like because <laughs> like it had to have been deliberate. Like it wasn't yeah. like they were ransacking his room because it was a holodeck room the whole time. Yeah, and like his. Probably, you know, his pack, you know, his, uh, you know, his suitcase, suit, whatever, whatever he had with him was also part of the simulation. So there was no reason to look at the pad he was working on because it was their pad. It was yeah. a hologram pad. It's been there the whole time. You know, he didn't, you know, he dropped his pencil on the floor because they wanted him to. <laughs> what an absolute nightmare the 24th century is. Oh, yeah. Because you never know when you were maybe put in a holodeck in your sleep. Oh, my goodness. Don't sleep. Exactly. I would. <laughs> yeah, this episode I, reminded me a little bit of um, Whispers, which is the one where O'Brien was a, a replicant. 
Mm. Just in the terms oh, of yeah. you're following just one character around. You don't get to see anybody else because they're not real or because they're not part of your story. If we saw everybody else, we'd know something was up. Uh, yeah. I, I know that the the producers or the uh, the director, uh, Michael Dorn, directed, oh. by, directed by Michael Dorn, they also decided they're never going to show establishing shots because we're in a hologram. You wouldn't see these, these, these establishing shots because we're not on these places. So it's very, it's a very sneaky thing he does because we're only following Julian, which is great. That never occurred to me. That's clever. They're, they're so sneaky and I love it. That's a, that's a really nice choice. Huh. Um, Just like random things too. Like when they're first walking to the interrogation and a random crew member runs down the hall with a rifle. Yeah. Like that never paid off. That was just a thing that they that Sloane put in there to fuck with Julian. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like what's funny too is is, you know, at the end, there's Sloane and two Section 31 randos, but they're not the people that had been his like sidekicks the whole time. Were they real? Or were they part of the program? Because it was like the the woman and the guy yeah, that were I his they like. Were the same. No, no, it was just two white random guys. white dudes. At the end, oh. it was just two white dudes. Oh, yeah, at the end, end. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. Like the the two security officers that were working for him throughout aren't there at the end, and it's like there's an equal chance from what we know that either they were part of the program or they really are Section Thirty One officers, but they're off doing something else right now. I think they were all part of the program. I think even Sloan was the program until oh, the you don't very think end. we ever. You think oh. when we were in the holodeck, well, it was just a simulated. If you were Sloan, would you ever take off that black leather suit? Fair. Yes. I mean, no. If only because getting back into it must be a real son of a bitch. Just say it looks like he gets hot. He looked hot. Hey. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I like. I, I loved that. I don't know. I just love the costume. Is what I was saying. Yeah. Say he that actor fine. though. He's he was a good actor, but I, I was thinking. His name, the actor's name is probably Willem Dafoe, but it's spelled D-E-F-A-U-X. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, funny thing, his name is William Sadler. Oh, there you go. And, and he was in uh, Shawshank Redemption and, as you pointed oh, out to me, The Green right. Mile. Yeah. But perhaps best known to most people our age as the Grim Reaper from Bill and Ted. No shit. Yep. You know who they wanted originally for the role? The guy that played Rorschach. I don't know who that is. Martin Sheen. Oh. I could not buy Martin Close. Sheen. <laughs> that is so funny. No? Why? Well, so, sorry. Only because eventually Martin Sheen plays the elusive man in the Mass Effect series. And he's similarly like part of a kind of a sketchy shadow organization. So yeah. that's. Really quite funny in retrospect. Also, I could totally see that. I could, but only because... No, I think it would just take me the fuck out of it if it was Martin <laughs> Sheen. That's fair. But again, for me, it's like I'm thinking less of President Bartlett and more the elusive man. Okay, but uh, what if it was Charlie Sheen? Definitely wouldn't work. <laughs> but Emilio, he could Emilio do Emilio could work. I, I mean, uh, Emilio is just Martin Sheen, but younger. Yeah. Bless yeah. him. Bless little Emilio Estevez. I, I still say they should have... Rather than the route they took, I say, you know, when Charlie Sheen had his breakdown and left two and a half men, there were two options, and I think one of them should have been, they start the next season, and it's like, all right, uh, so your brother had an accident, 
We've reconstructed his face as best we can. Take the bandages off, and it's Emilio. I thought you were going to be like, I think, be, oh, they're going to, no, they'll work in a crossover with Family Matters. He goes into some invention of, um, Urkel's. Uh, of Urkel's, and he comes out as Martin Sheen. And oh, he's God. like, did and he's I aged, do And he's this? aged 40 years. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine, because this was, I, I, honestly, hand to God, I've seen maybe one or two episodes of The West Wing, but this was when The West Wing was, like, at its peak, right? Like, he would have no. been too busy. I don't know. I don't. I think. I feel like West Wing started maybe a year or two after this. Really, my timeline is fucked. This was 1998, or maybe it started this year. I don't know. It's. I feel like the West Wing started in the late 90s. Although now I can't remember. They definitely Either had a 9/11 I, I could... episode. I just can't remember what season. I feel like the 9/11 episode was the season opener of season four. I can't remember. Oh yeah, it didn't start till 99. Well, I'm not trying to say that, that sounds like it was in poor taste, but it sure does. But yeah, I uh, I could I could have seen I could have seen that, but I love William Sadler in it, so yeah, he's fun. Yeah, I just really also, loved watching Bashir squirm for a whole episode long. <clears throat> well, I just felt kind of bad for him because he's just getting gaslighted the whole time. Yeah. The thing is, like, there's no way to prove it either way. If you yeah. have what did they call it, like Engram backwards disease or whatever, whatever they said that he that they did with his memories. He would never know. He would always assume he was who he th- thinks he is because it's like when the Manchurian candidate Jordy. Jordy yeah. had no fucking clue. Right. They could have talked, they, and they, like, well, you and says, oh, yeah, we talk with you like this every fucking time. Every fucking time, you eventually say, oh, yeah, right, this is all right. And, and we're just waiting for that. Scones. There is a moment. Good. There is a moment where Julian is kind of making a face like, oh, fuck, what if this is real? Yeah. Like, for just a second, he doubts himself. Yeah, and they also, you know, by pointing out all of the kind of odd things that he's done, like helping the Jem'Hadar break their addiction to white. Not spacing Jack. Not spacing Jack. You know, it's like... (laughs) Lying about the augment thing. Like... Forever. um, If we didn't know Julian as a character, I would say that Sloane makes a pretty reasonable case... Even yeah. knowing him as a character, like we all just knowing how fucking brilliant the 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 changelings are, because you know they can program the Gem Hadar, they can clone the Vorta, they can do all kinds of fucking shit. Yeah, I think it just That's goes to show that- like what you know the writing in this episode is tight enough that that it you know I, I just think they did a really good job. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing though, you wouldn't really need to have these very complicated sleeper agents. Because you have changelings. Yeah, that's the one thing. I keep... I, even Julian brings up, it might be Sloane. Sloane might be the bad guy all along. And they're like, no, no, we know Sloane's fine. He could be a changeling. Yeah, he could. Any of you could. Yeah. I could be a changeling. Yeah, oh, but the thing is... shit, I'd never considered that. Ames, are you a changeling? No. Oh. But there look, are... Look, blood. Drip. You know, a changeling could be found out. <laughs> Right, like because they, yeah, you know, you because you have the phaser sweeps, which they don't do anymore, but nope. were a thing that. Well, we don't see them, but they might still be doing them. That's true. It'd be pretty boring if every episode opened with them doing like another phaser sweep. <laughs> it's true. Just be yeah. Like Jesus Christ! Right in the credits. Every every <laughs> every scene, like some random security dude walks by and just blasts everybody with a a low level phaser <laughs> blast. I, yeah, I admit though, it would be kind of just a nice touch if just every so often in the background you saw someone shooting a wall, like 
Mm. You're, you're do, do, do. Like it's become just like janitorial duty at this point. Yeah, Whoever's in charge of getting rid of the rats has their work cut out for them. It's like the, <clears throat> it's like getting a COVID test. You know, you got to get mm. phased to make sure you're not a. Every, everyone gets a light phasing every time they walk into a room. Well, you'll find me unfazed by the phasing. Hey, ayo. But yeah, so if yeah, I feel like at this point, a undercover changeling would be pretty risky mm. to be a in secret, any a secret agent man if you will you know to be in any kind of position where they it would be subjected to any kind of scrutiny so you wouldn't want to be the chief medical officer you might be some Rat. you know low-level ensign and most of the time and every once in a while moonlight as a bashir to uh get the good info go play I mean... alamo with o'brien <laughs> Jesus Christ, I feel like the best thing to be would just, like, be someone's pips. Ooh. <laughs> They'd never catch you. Like, mm. I f- be the fucking podium. Be the president of the Federation's desk. Yeah. That's always stuff happening in there. Like, that's, like, that's the thing. We're talking about people. There's no proof they couldn't just be a vase in a room. That's there is, true. in fact, proof that they definitely could be. Yeah, that Daedalus-class model in, uh... Cisco's office has been a changeling for three seasons now. Oh my god, what if Picard's fish? <laughs> Livingston, no. <laughs> Livingston seems pretty long-livid for a fish in captivity, I'm just mm. saying. I mean, honestly, after the Federation retook Deep Space Nine, I hope they did, like, a Baryon sweep. Oh yeah, you, you know? know? Oh my. Just just to, to get rid of any potential... Uh, That's actually, it isn't, so it's not a spoiler, but that's the series finale. DS9 itself was replaced by a changeling at some point. (laughs) Yep. Just one huge changeling. They have to to escape as the station slowly turns to caramel. Oh, God. Oh, to caramel. Actually, no, I guess a changeling probably would be killed by a Baryon sweep. So, because they say it it just kills all organic matter, I think they say. Yeah. So that actually... That's probably a, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a routine thing during Man, if the move war. all your house plants whenever you do that. Yeah, it was AT. Oh, <laughs> it was bad enough having to evacuate the Enterprise for one. Imagine having to get everyone off DS9. Yeah, yeah. Every probably time. just do it like floor by floor or something. There's mm. probably a quicker method to do something like that because the barrier sweep was specifically to like get something, get the the charged baryon particles out of yeah. the warp engines. Some kind of buildup that occurs to starships. Like the oil change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Federation secret police. Yeah, and like... You shady. crooked bastards. Shady as fuck. Really yeah. shady. It, of- like, and this is another thing. I, I know this episode gets a lot of criticism for just introducing the idea that, you know the Federation would have an organization like 730, 731, Section 31. Because it is, you know, to to Julian's point, it is pretty antithetical to the, you know, the stated goals of the Federation. Like, it's, like, yeah, we've always said how the Federation, yeah, you know, their, their altruism is only skin deep and there's a lot of shady shit going on. But this is like... You know, finding out that Santa Claus is also moonlighting as Hitler. 
You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, mean, well, I don't know. He's watching everybody pretty closely. That's, that's let's crazy. remember, this is the same organization that has General Order Twenty Four. Sterilize a planet. And yes. Let, and let us also remember that Hitler had a secret sweet tooth. <laughs> what do you leave out to appease Santa Claus? <gasps> Fucking sweets. Oh my goodness. But wait, wait, wait. What what kind of scones? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, no, it's Lord. um Yeah, no. It, yeah, I know it was it was like Ira Bear's favorite thing, kind of just shitting just a little bit on all of Roddenberry's like, oh no, the Starf- Starfleet and the Federation are always going to be the good guys. There's nothing wrong with them. And then Ira Co- Bear comes in and says, what about like just a little bit of this, these assholes? What if there's just one little group and they're all assholes? <laughs> He's so funny. Yep. Uh. yep. And I mean, in like, even before he's section 31, like, based on how casually Julian takes a lot of the investigation until it goes into overdrive. Apparently when Starfleet internal affairs show up, like it's perfectly all right for them to just shut down civil rights. Well, I also think that civil rights in the military, right? As a Starfleet officer, I, th- I don't think that you are. Well, I don't know because this came up in the drumhead too, though. Right. So, yeah, you know, he was entitled in the drumhead, the the guy was entitled to have representation. So Ooh, Tarsus, Tarsus, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, that's true. And like at first, you like I said, until it really starts to go hooey, he's kind of just like, well, yes, of course, this is how this works. It's like, why? <laughs> well, maybe it's also just like that mentality of, oh, I have nothing to hide. Yeah, I was just mm. gonna say, well, if you have nothing to hide, then yeah, yeah, which is dangerous. Yeah, which you know, is why it's like, it's- well, yep. Yeah. He eventually is like, yeah, I'm not going to answer any more questions until I have a lawyer. Yep. And that's why if you have nothing to hide, you should be okay with this is never a good argument. Yep. Don't talk to cops, kids. Just don't do it. Nope. Unless there's 15,000 bees in your car. What if they have candy? No, I I also If there are 15,000 bees in your car, invite the cops to sit in your car. (laughs) I read Especially that, the ones with allergies, question mark? I read that the original story of this episode that changed significantly was it was going to be more about Bashir fighting bureaucracy. So the idea was he was going to go to a planet, leave his shuttle up in, in orbit, and then when he tries to go back, he learns his shuttle has been towed. <laughs> and he basically has to jump through all these like bureaucratic hoops and shit because it's basically a Kafka-esque nightmare. He, he parked in a red zone. <laughs> I kind of wish they still made that episode because it's different enough that. Yeah, that doesn't even seem related. That almost feels like DS9 does Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, yeah, I always love when, when I hear what the original pitches were like being like, how the hell did you get from there to here? It is fun. Uh, it's like, all right. So instead of Julian's car gets towed, <laughs> Starfleet secret police. Wait, what? <laughs> No, I, I bet you ninety percent of the time it's they always wanted to do a secret police thing, and they just found like, I guess if if we don't if this episode isn't working out, we can kind of scoot in this thing we've always wanted to do and just pay the writer. I mean, in a bizarre way, like it's a lot of steps, but I can sort of see how bureaucratic nightmare turns into secret police. 
Like, there's other ones. I can't think of any right now. But when you hear what the original idea was and where they wound up, it's like, the only logical explanation is drugs got involved at some point. Here, I could see a long, complicated through line. But I could see a through line. So, okay. Um, Here, here's a riddle. I got a riddle for you. Okay. If a pre-warp civilization finds and confiscates a starship, is it, do you, if you're the captain that has to, you know, go recover the starship, is it worse, as far as the Prime Directive goes, to interfere with the internal affairs by stealing back the starship, or is it worse that they get the starship and reverse engineer the technology? What do you do in that situation? So interestingly, it's not... And on as grand a scale as you're talking, but there is an episode of Enterprise that deals with this question. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, man. The only Enterprise episode that deals with the Prime Directive that I can remember is that fucking awful eugenics one. But <laughs> mm. Wow. Enterprise is going to be special as hell. But yeah, no, a whole starship. That's a, that's a whole different kettle of fish, though, because that's... Uh, you set it to auto-destruct. Mm, that's true. Then the, then the people on the planet are like, "Oh no, we broke it." And I mean, then like, they, I'm like and talking like a legal, like, re, like literally, you parked the runabout in a red zone and they towed it because it's like, no, yeah, well, I mean, we weren't able to, you know, circumvent the legal system on ju and Justice Planet to save Wesley. Mm. So I guess, um, I guess we better let them keep the runabout. That's what Section Thirty One is for. Yep, that's when you call it Section Thirty One. Repo men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, you imagine Starfleet must have a division for that sort of bullshit. Actually, here's what you do. You do what they kind of started doing in Insurrection and building a, a fake one and swap mm. it in the night so that people mm. don't realize. There we go. So there's nothing to reverse engineer anymore because it's fake. There you go. Yeah. That's what they did at Roswell. <laughs> oh... You can't on my ear there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I remembered this one. And I'm just I'm just sitting there the whole time being like, oh man, I know where this is going. And so, I'm flipping out on the couch like, wait, is it this? Is he that? Is he this? What's happening? Wouldn't say a word, the bastard. And of course, like, I remember like little, you know, little teenage me thinking Section 31 was like the coolest idea ever. I mean, you get and to now, play course, spy all the time. Yeah, and now, of course, as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, that's horrifying. <laughs> they're not just spies, they're secret police, and secret police are bad. Yeah. That's true. I, 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 I maybe said this before, but I feel like the only, probably the only major species in Star Trek that doesn't have a secret police is the Klingons, because... I was thinking that, too, yeah. That sort of subtlety is just not necessary to them. Well, they might still, though. It's I mean, just because we've seen it. Because, well, no, but it's like, you know, you always talk about the fact that we always see their warriors and not like their chefs and their artists as much. There could be spies that we just haven't seen. No, I know. But the one thing I feel like, what you know, we do see a chef at one point is that like... It, like oh my God, that would be the Worf show. If Worf finally gets his show, that should be it. it should be Klingon secret police. I, see, I just feel like it's just... Because the one thing Klingons don't seem to do, regardless of who they are, is subtlety. And there is nothing subtler than secret police. Like, remember, the, we remember the investigation that time that, you know, there was a bombing and fucking Klingon CSI was 
it was a bomb. Like, that's it. Yep. That was, it, thank you, officer. You're wonderful. Like, I imagine at some point Klingons maybe tried to form a secret police, and it just did not go well. Well, they like, had to also ingrain all the weird, like, the, the customs and the yelling and all the stuff into it, yeah. which just wouldn't work. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not even the fact that it was like, it would be dishonorable to have secret police. They're just bad at it. <laughs> Don't they also object to, like, lying? Yeah, no, probably. No, I feel like you couldn't be time. a good agent without lies. I, I don't think object, like but I feel like they'd be bad at it more often than not. Well, they'd not. definitely be bad at it. Unless your name is Duras. Yeah. They also just, you know, they just look ridiculous in Groucho Marx glasses, so. <laughs> well, that's a sound you've made him make. Yep. God damn um, Yeah. Yeah. Section 31. <laughs> Fun, fun, fun times. Yeah, I'm. I'm still kind of hoping they don't do the Section Thirty One series. Yeah, they because it looks like it'll be overkill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, unless it is specifically about them working on transitioning to being something a lot subtler. I'm actually really surprised that they didn't Pulaski Julian at the end. Um, because it's just the fact that he's like, yeah, it sounds like, I'm not too worried about the secret getting out. It's like, why? Like, nobody knows about you. And now, you know, Cisco Jed does. Jed has told everybody. Everybody that Julian's talked to ha knows about it. The Bajorans know about it. Like, Well, that's, that's just it, though. Apparently, everyone does know. They just don't talk about it. I guess so. It's just like they're, you're going to get stonewalled by the higher ups. They're gaslighting the section. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we don't have to. We technically aren't trying to be secret, which is what makes us even more threatening. So Sloan says, that, Sloan says that it was it was started. It was founded in the Federation or the Starfleet Charter. Yeah. So I wonder if like. If it's secret, but if you open up the Starfleet char Charter and look for the 31st section, if it's the establishment of Section 31. I think it's eventually retconned to be actually a subsection of something else. Uh, yeah, subsection 31 doesn't sound as menacing. It's like, yeah, it's like section blah, subsection 31. <laughs> subsection might, 30, 31, article B. I might be either making that up or it might be from a book, which isn't automatically is not canon i mean i like i kind of like the idea that section 31 isn't an actual official thing and mm. that it is just like vigilantes it's that, just guys playing playing spy yeah on, in their spare time yeah pretty much and the starfleet tolerates them because they get shit done yeah oh, everyone in starfleet assumes that they're actually a thing because <laughs> right. there's no info about them it literally is like Sloan and five other guys. That's great. Right. That that's yeah. That's that's an interesting take. I guess again, I I don't remember tons about their other appearances outside of Discovery, but I know there are a few. Like maybe maybe they are disbanded after the events of season two Discovery, and like some like some in in the future somebody just happens upon some document that mentions them and it's like this is the coolest thing ever it was a little it was a young sloan yep yay he wasn't he 
Flea actually was an aspiring Starfleet cadet, never managed to pass the Academy exam. Read about this in a library one day. I was like, I'm going to make my own Starfleet. It's yeah. like it's like in Gangster Planet. He just read about it and says, I'm going to do it just like that. Yep. I yep. like the idea that he, he tried to pass the entrance exam, but when he was confronted with a situation where he had to rescue a guy and let one guy die, he just let them both die. <clears throat> More cake for me. <laughs> Ooh, cake. Delicious. Speaking of cake, I'm hungry. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I almost said earlier, like, speaking of five guys, it's time for me to get some lunch. Um, oh, man, I would love some five guys. We had five guys. Was it just last night? Yeah. I guess it was. Wow, time is weird. Time is weird, and Kira knows all about that. That's for true. God damn it. Well, speaking of Starfleet being a shady bitch, thank you for joining us for episode 216 of A Star to Steer By. Oh. Woo! Next week, we're going to talk about two more Deep Space Nine episodes, In the Pale Moonlight and His Way, which I assume is about Usher. Close. Uh, huh? said close. Uh, as always, uh, if you would like, you can you can subscribe to A Star to Steer By, where all fine podcasts are sold. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook. If you want to find us there, you can search A Star to Steer Her By, or you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at SSHB Podcast. We also have our home on the web, SSHBpodcast.com, where you can find all kinds of good shit. You know, I finally went and rated us on Apple Podcasts because I never had an account until I had to put my other podcast up on there. Uh-huh. Uh, and if you guys haven't rated, fucking get on it. We don't have a ton of ratings. Oh, we need more ratings. Rate Wait, it. what other podcast aims? Oh, my radio play, Fine oh, Tune oh, Universe. Oh, oh. Cool. Do you want to tell us more about that? You can plug uh, it. I already for have. It. You should listen to it. If you like the moon and you like sci-fi radio stories, uh, check out Fine Tuned Universe. It's up on all the podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, where you can go and rate it and then rate this Show after you've done that. Perfect. Hot dog. Hot dog. That's what Ames would say. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, until <clears throat> until next week, this has been Caitlin. This be Jake. This has been Chris. <laughs>